Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. When it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com, where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Are you tired of prediction shows? Do you want to fantasy book the companies? Does Bigfoot even really exist? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then check out the podcast that isn't a podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday, the standing streamer stands and delivers as he and Vanessa talk about all that's going on in pro wrestling today. Plus, see in-depth conversations with people in and around the wrestling world as guests share their stories and insights about making it in the business. The Putting You Over Podcast. Putting your weeknights over every Tuesday and Thursday. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. My name is Thomas and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the that. mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. For we right? shared a room. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, we so go maybe. way back, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books. We're talking professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also, check us out on Twitter at the Broadcast. That's B R O. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Ending. Yeah, it's alright, good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C, we spell it with a K. Slow, mate. Take it easy. Two Heels and a Face Wrestling Podcast believes wrestling is a buffet. There's something there for everyone. These guys cover local Chicago indie scene, and all of their episodes can be found at twoheelsandaface.com. The number two, heelsandaface.com. Hey everyone, my name is referee Tony S, and this is Heat, the wrestling podcast. Like you first and foremost, I'm a wrestling fan, and for nearly two decades I've maintained law and order inside the squared circle in New England and throughout the country, working with some of the best and brightest from wrestling's past, present, and future. Now, I bring my authoritative tell-it-like-it-is style to the podcast world. Join me each week as we go through all the major headlines from the global companies, independents, and in-between. And most importantly, the women will receive the coverage and headlines they truly deserve as they'll empower the second half of the show. Plus, I'll introduce you to my friends and colleagues within all forms of wrestling and entertainment, answer your questions, anything goes, no holds, well, questions barred, and throw in some fun surprises along the way. Get ready for the spark that fuels the flame. Listen on Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another episode of the Front Row Material Brand. My name is Mike Freeland. 
Coming up on this week's discussion, WWE Superstar appears that they're done with the company, according to their Twitter account. We have more news on the drama happening at Collision. What's going on with this, and why does it never seem to stop? We also have more news on All In. We also have some details on, potentially, a big match coming up for All Out as well. Before we get to all that, let me go ahead and let me bring him in. He is the man from Canada. He's one half of the Can-Am Connection. His name is Christopher Butt. What's going on, brother? This is it, Mike. Another Tuesday night, hanging out with you, going to talk some wrestling, and we're going to have some fun. How are we you? Are. We are. We're going to have a lot of fun. Um, a lot of things are very interesting in wrestling. Not necessarily a big news cycle going on right now, but some interesting things are happening. And we're going to kick it off with Lacey Evans. Now, some of you have may seen on social media and the various websites that Lacey Evans has teased that uh, she can't wait till midnight till her WWE contract expires. Now, Lacey Evans hasn't been seen in WWE for a while now. She allegedly got heat from her Sergeant Slaughter gimmick. Now, WWE has had their fair share of controversies with Lacey Evans, starting with her character that was very similar to Sergeant Slaughter. Slaughter spoke out. The Slaughter daughter spoke out as well. And evidently, WWE creative just hasn't had anything else for her at the time. Right now, it looks like she's just waiting for her contract to run out and expire. She went on to social media and she said she's counting down the days until she is officially free. Um, if you want to follow her on Twitter, you can follow her at Timeless Macy. And she's already went ahead and made that change already. Let me ask you this question, Butster. Uh, Lacey Evans has been interesting when her career comes into conversation in WWE. You know, obviously she had that really awkward storyline with Ric Flair. Maybe she may be having his baby and things got a little awkward. And then she was gone for a while. I know that she obviously had some injury issues as well. And then she came back and this whole Sergeant Slaughter, I never really understood the beef with it. Um, if Slaughter doesn't have an issue with it, which I don't even remember if he did, but I know his daughter uh, took issue with it. Is it really worth arguing over when it comes to something like this? No. Uh, I've never read that Slaughter had an issue with it. The only no, one I no heard, he was good. It was yeah, his, his daughter. His yeah. daughter wasn't happy about it. Was she afraid of the royalty checks are going to slow down? Like, I, 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 I guess I don't. I, I can't even come up with a logical Why not take it as a compliment? I would, too. No, imitation is a legitimate. She was in the military. She was. A, yes, she was. She was right? in the military. So, I mean, she could probably play it a little more than what Slaughter could if you want to get down to something like that. She was never in the military, I do not believe, was he? He was not. And for many, many years, um, he had told people that he was in the Marines. And unfortunately, I, I think people either just went along with it or um, just accepted it for being fact. Yeah. But he then came out and said, you know, I was, you know, referring to my character and whatever. But I don't have an issue with that either. Like, uh, I don't think this is a a matter of like a like called stolen valor. I don't think it's that. It's just it's he's playing the gimmick, which is fine. Yeah. But the only one had an issue with this seemed to be his daughter. Yeah. I mean, I didn't care. Did How did you feel? Did you care one way or the other? No, I didn't. And when I saw, you know, her in the fatigues and all that kind of stuff, I did think it was cool. I did think it was neat because she was in the service before. So I thought, 
maybe she could really get into this gimmick because it was closer to home, right? It was actually a part of who she was. And I thought, you know, it would be kind of cool if, you know, they could do something maybe with Slaughter. But I, to my knowledge, I don't think he had any interest in doing anything. So, okay. So you, you just accept it and you go with it. And it didn't seem to be accepted that way. Slaughter's daughter made a big deal about it. Unfortunately, it did affect Lacey. Creative just doesn't have a whole lot for her right now. And it looks like she's going to be on her way to uh, greener pastures. I have no idea. I don't know where, you know, she's going to be going or if wrestling is still something that she wants to do. But, but yeah, it's like so she basically is, she got buried by Slaughter's daughter. Looks like it. That's sad. It is sad. What did you what did you think of Lacey Evans, by the way? Did you ever think of her as or did you ever see her as, you know what? I really think she has something that she could be a world champion or that she could be a big mover and shaker in WWE. No, I she was never I don't think she was ever going to be the main eventer. She was good. Better than she probably got credit for. She never got over at all. Nothing seemed to stick her southern bell gimmick which i actually liked yeah i didn't have a problem with that didn't get over like nothing she did worked i don't know why it was was weird it's rare will somebody have that many gimmick changes nothing seems to catch on she wasn't bad in the ring she wasn't great but she wasn't bad in the ring she was half decent on the mic so i don't know what what the deal there was yeah i'm not really sure where things went off the rails but um if we're going to get talk about her her time in the service uh she's a veteran of the marines she served the united states marine corps um let's see how long she enlisted when she was 19 and she served five years also earning her bachelor's degree from indian river state college uh she also started a construction business while she was on active duty, she was introduced to professional wrestling while she was in the Marines through a staff sergeant who promoted independent wrestling shows on the side uh, and decided to go ahead and push her at one point in time. And uh, that's how things started. She went on to the independent circuits from 2014 to 2015. She had several different stops. Uh, she later ended up winning a couple of independent uh, wrestling championships 2016, she had got signed by WWE, and um, after she was seen at a house show, she made a wrestling debut in about a royal, which she ultimately won um, by limiting Ember Moon. So she had a, a, a young career in WWE. Um, she got moved up to the main roster in 2019. Unfortunately, things have stalled out here in 2023. So. Doesn't look like there's going to be much more of Lacey Evans in WWE, but you know, we may be wrong or we may see her come back again. Why did she never get over? I think in some ways, and this is just my opinion when, and you just alluded to it, when you have somebody that, that changes their hat a lot, um, the audience really feels like that's what you you've become just a revolving uh, character and if none of them really stick then the audience really doesn't have a reason to invest in you and if they don't have a reason to invest in you they're not going to put you on tv i mean she's a beautiful woman there's no doubt about that but after that 
you know, what makes her stand out? So, for example, when you look at Ronda Rousey, she's the, the baddest woman on the planet, right? She's the MMA. When you look at Charlotte Flair, uh, she's the queen of the ring, right? You look at Bailey, and she at one point in time was um, just this happy-go-lucky, like to smile, but she could always tear the house down in wrestling. And then when she turned heel, people loved her even more. You got Becky Lynch, who's the man. So you have these different stars, uh, Shotzi Blackheart, you know, um, that have more of attraction with the audience and they're more consistent. And I feel like her level of inconsistency prevented people from really jumping on board and saying, you know what, I'm in Camp Lacey Evans, if, if any of that makes sense. No, it makes sense. Uh, I never thought of it exactly that way. I looked at it as more of they kept changing characters because nothing was getting over. I looked at it from the basically the exact opposite way of view. Well, I mean, when you think about it from a character standpoint, so let's use Cody Rhodes, for example, when he did Stardust. It was a bad character. But Cody Rhodes took a bad character, and he really sunk his teeth into it, and he put his heart and soul into it, and he lived it. And I think when you are super dedicated to something that you know is crappy and terrible i think the fans know that they know that they know you're miserable but they respect you because you're so dedicated to it and i think with lacy and this was my kind of beef with her as well i never felt like she was super dedicated to any of the personas that she had it was just like oh well here here's here i am this week you know here i am here and i didn't feel like there was a lot of depth to any of the individual characters that she had so you know, we, we could say the writing was not good for her, but then again, you know, even if the writing was great for her, she herself has to be invested in the character. And if she's not, then, you know, there's only so much you can do with creative. Fair enough. So it looks like she is going to be uh, moving on. You know, I think that she'll definitely land somewhere. Um, I think she'll probably take some independent dates. Uh, I think she'll probably show up most likely in nwa i don't think that impact wrestling is going to take a look at her i don't think they should i think right now they got a good thing going and they don't need to get over bloated with with talent just because they came from wwe that seems to be a big stigma if you came from wwe somehow you got this stamp of approval and i feel like that is such a misnomer because just because you came from there doesn't mean you were at the the pinnacle of the industry. So, Lacey Evans. Um, come back to her a little bit later. You had mentioned something to me before, and we talked about this, and we said, you know, when are we going to see him again? Well, it's probably going to be four or five months. Uh, you see, deer hunting season was coming up. Got some news on Brock Lesnar. Ringside News is writing, Brock Lesnar lost a very brutal match to Cody Rhodes recently at SummerSlam. One, that he actually got hurt in the match. Now, after the biggest party of the summer was over in Detroit, there's a lot of questions that are surrounding what's the future of Brock Lesnar. Now, it was previously discussed that Lesnar was expected to be at WWE Payback, but now it seems like that's not the case. Ringside News on their website exclusively is reported that he's not going to be at the event. In fact, people are wondering if he actually will come back in the year 2023. Meltzer reported that he doesn't think he'll be back until potentially WrestleMania of next year. Ringside News reached out to Brock Lesnar 
uh, who said they believe he's on the hiatus for the rest of the year. A lot of people in WWE also believe that he is going to be on a hiatus and take the rest of the year off. The writing team was also told he will not be around, but sometimes he will show up as a surprise if they are near his home. Um, let me ask you something about Brock Lesnar. You know, clearly Hall of Famer. Clearly he's done so many things in wrestling. And, you know, it, it's crazy to think that he's been around since 2002 and it's 2023. But when you look at him and then you look at the landscape of WWE right now, is he becoming more of just an attraction at this point? Like, do you really think that WWE would put stock into Brock Lesnar to the point of being a champion again? Or do you think, eh, I think that ship has sailed. I could see him putting the belt on him one more time as almost a thank you. Here's one more title run for you. Nothing extended. We're not talking a year. No, he's not going to take the belt off of Roman or nothing like that. But I could see him getting a small run. I wouldn't be overly shocked if he doesn't. But I, I could see him doing that just as a good faith thing. Like, you know, 21 years. Minus he had that little go when he packed it in on him when he quit. And he was over in Japan and tried out in the NFL and all that stuff. But he's been... He's been... Everything you want, really. You got to think he, he was a young fella coming in, did great things. Yeah, there were some issues, maybe some maturity issues, whatever it would be. But he was he was a young man that got pushed right to the top. Fast. You know, he, he never um, earned his stripes, we'll say. It's not like he did the indies for years and, you know, touring up and down hundreds of miles like they did in the territory days or nothing like that. He kind of brought in and was strapped a rocket to his back and off he went but he's been a good wrestler i honestly think the brock we have now is the best brock we've had you know what i'm glad you mentioned that because i 100 percent agree right i think brock obviously 15 years ago was maybe a little better in rings he was younger didn't have the wear and tear on him or whatnot but he can still go he'll never work a full-time schedule again no, I mean, I don't think he could at this point, right? Nor does he need to, right? Right? He's got his, his uh ranch in Saskatchewan, he doesn't need to bother with any of this nonsense. Let's be honest, Brock would be like, nah, screw it, I'm done. Right? He's got a big property up there, just chill out until September, then hunt from September till the end of December, and chill out again. Why? Because he can. Because he can. Yeah. Plain and simple. Or he could go to coaching route. I'm not talking professional wrestling coaching. You mean to tell me Minnesota wouldn't love to have him come in and he could train be a some fantastic of the guys? collegiate coach. Absolutely. Right. Something like that. Would you not? Would you not just shit yourself if he like coached the Olympic team? Like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. And, but that's what gets forgotten. He was a damn good collegiate wrestler. Yes. A lot of people forget that, or, or maybe they know it, but they don't really think much of it. The guy could legit twist you in a knot if he wanted to. Yeah. And then you tack in his MMA training. You're done. Well, he's a bad dude. Yes, he is. But I think he's way more mature now than what he was. You look at what he did with Cody after um, 
SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. You think he would have done that 10 years ago? I don't think so. Right? I mean, there's, there's numerous reports that he was, he just didn't care. He didn't want to be there. He'd show up, wrestle, leave. Just strictly for the money, nothing more. It was going to work. He seems to be happier now. He seems to be enjoying life a little more now. You know, for him to, to give Cody the rub at the end of that, which, from what you're saying, wasn't planned. He didn't have approval for none of that or anything else. That was just he did it on his own because, well, he's Brock Lesnar and he can. What are they going to do? Well, wait, 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 this is true. Are, okay. are you gonna, are you gonna fire me? Are you gonna suspend me? Yeah. I'm not coming back for eight months to a year. Yeah. So do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, Brock, you shouldn't do that. Kiss my ass. You know, I'm leaving anyway. I'll see you in <laughs> at Mania. Well, no, but he could. It's true. It's he absolutely true. Give a, I shouldn't say he doesn't give a damn. No, I think he does. More so now than he ever did, but it's not like you can reprimand him for what he did. And he right. didn't do nothing bad. You know, chewed up a bit of airtime, sure. Did he break character? Yeah, but the day of kayfabe is over. It's not like it's not like back in the day where if you were a bad guy, you were a bad guy. All the time you were a bad guy. It's, it's not like that now. Like let's let's give up the nonsense. As much as that was a good thing, kayfabe was. It went a little overboard with some guys, but no, I think Brock now is better than he's ever been as a complete package. And he's got more personality now than he ever had. Well, I wonder if he becomes more comfortable in his own skin the longer he's done this and the more he realizes that, you know what, the end is near in my career. And I, I should enjoy this. I should bask in it a little bit more. Maybe I should laugh a little bit more because – he has always been that very stoic guy, you know, very angry, very violent, but very stoic and, and not really talking a whole lot. There were some times when he had the Eddie Guerrero feud where I think it was a little contrived, his happiness, when he would come out with a sombrero and all that, because I feel like that's what the writing team wanted. That's what creative wanted. But I don't really feel like it was Brock. Now I really feel like this is truly who he is on the inside. I think he's enjoying himself. He's having fun. He's not taking it too seriously anymore. Um, because why? I mean, you know, like you said before, make your money and go home. There was the video of him at a, a country concert somewhere up on stage. Got the cowboy hat going. He's big smile on his face. Perfect. He looks happy. He does. So what you want. And not just uh, for him, for everybody. I think be happy. So, I think Brock is in a good place, and and I don't personally see them giving him another run. But maybe I'm wrong. Obviously, stranger things have happened. They give Hogan another run um, before he ended up retiring. So, we'll see what happens. Um, and when he, I say I could see him doing it, please don't take it as they're going to give him this massive run or anything like that. I just see it as a pay per view to pay per view, or you know. A major pay-per-view to a, to the next major pay-per-view, just just as a thank you, just as a hey, you've put it in, you've you've worked well for us, you've given us your time, you've busted your hump, thank you type of thing. Nothing more than that, because he is still he's a part-time wrestler, right? But I just could see him doing that as a thank you. Well, I mean, we even talked about is that what they did with Alex Shelley and Chris Saban to 100%. an extent? You know, thank you for being so loyal. Thank you for being. 
you know, somebody who didn't run off to another company. Thank you for, you know, being locker room leaders in a company when it was going through so many tumultuous years of, are we going to be able to keep the doors open? We're going to keep the lights on. And they were always there. And I think that Scott Demore really saw that when Scott was a talent, much less management at this point. And I do think there are levels of thank yous. And I think that definitely falls in that category. Uh, Next thing I want to kind of go into is the interesting story of Austin Theory. Now, for those of you who may not be super familiar, Austin Theory was somebody who kind of raised through the ranks pretty quickly the last few years, mainly due to the fact that he was seen on camera with Vince McMahon. Now, many people believe that he might be the next chosen one, the one that would replace John Cena. He had the look. He had the physique, all of that kind of stuff. Unfortunately, fans never really took to Austin Theory. And now, most recently, he's lost the only title he's ever had before. He got beat by Rey Mysterio. Now, Ringside News is writing, WWE fans were surprised to see Rey Mysterio take down Austin Theory for the U.S. title this past week on SmackDown. Now, the match came out of nowhere, but it did go according to plan from everything that has been told ringside news reached out to the United States champion and got some comments from Rey Mysterio. He said he wasn't even scheduled to be in that final match with Austin theory, but things changed and he was placed back in. Now the LWO known as a Lucha world order or Luchador world order celebrated with Rey Mysterio in his big win Santos Escobar also uh, was supposed to be in that match, but in the end, the babyface, he won the title, and he is now the face of SmackDown with being the U.S. champion. Let me ask you this question. It doesn't really matter with belts when it comes to Rey Mysterio at this point. Rey's already a champion uh, in the minds of so many people. He's a Hall of Famer, no questions asked. Um, But when it comes to Austin Theory, this kind of surprises me in a way because if Austin theory truly was someone that they thought highly of, and he hasn't really materialized. If that makes sense, I feel like in some ways the United States championship, remember we talked about this before that it's either the man can make the belt or the belt can make the man. I think the belt was trying to make the man when it came to Austin theory, but I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to say to the extent of Lacey Evans, but Austin Theory just didn't seem to get over. A lot of people would make fun of the way he looked. Um, I personally thought he had a great physique, but there was just always something lacking from him. It was always, I don't know if it was that grit or it was that that fire or that passion or whatever it may be. He just seemed to not have the total package. And that might be the reason why WWE has said, you know what? Uh, we'll come back to you. We're going to go ahead and move it on to somebody who's a little bit hotter. And the LWO is, is hot in WWE right now. So what's your take on Austin theory? And do you think that they'll repackage him? What do you think they'll end up ultimately doing with an Austin theory? At this point, they almost have repackaged him. I think he's, he falls into the same category as Lacey, not to the extent, but he just doesn't seem to be over. And they've pushed him, and they've pushed him. You know, they had him and, and Cena have a match at WrestleMania. 
But if you're having a match at WrestleMania against John Cena, they have high hopes for you. Yes. He's not a bad wrestler. Good look. He's good on the mic. He's charismatic. Did I say that right? Charismatic. Mm-hmm. However you say that word. And no, but he has all that stuff. But yes, I agree. There is something missing. What is it? I'm not sure, but he doesn't have it. Now, is is the reason for that? He's, he's still a young man. He came in young. Mm-hmm. And just like we were just talking about with Brock, he kind of jumped to the top pretty quick. Not to the same level that Brock did, but, you know, he didn't earn his stripes, work his way up, you know, low card, mid card, upper mid card type of thing. Is that what it is? He needs maybe a little more seasoning? I mean, I don't think his gimmick is bad. It's just not working. So I would think there's only really two ways to go with him right now. This is what I'm going to say is pretty obvious. Is a repackage him, which I don't think is necessarily a bad idea. Or you're going to work him into a feud with Ray, and hopefully he gets the rub from Ray and he gets over that way, and they put the belt back on him, and hopefully he's a little more well received, or even poorly received, just received. Well, those are really your options right now. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think you remember it used to be when somebody was repackaged, you wouldn't even be able to tell that that was them again. Like, for example, when they repackaged um, Demolition and you went from trying to remember, was it Smash? Smash to Repo Man? Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily, I mean, obviously I knew it was Barry Darso, but. I thought that was a, a, a different look, and it was just – I didn't think I could tell immediately. I mean, the hair was cut. He obviously had a mask now, completely different gimmick. But I don't know how you repackage him and still have some vested faith in that he's going to get over. So he was trained by A.R. Fox. So if you guys watch AEW, you know that A.R. Fox is uh, in the Mogul Embassy, I believe it is. Um he started out his career in 2016 under his same ring name, Austin Theory. Um, he made appearances at WWA4, where he ended up winning their heavyweight championship. He went ahead and made several tours of Progress Wrestling. Um, he was also in Evolve. Uh, he lost to Keith Lee in a four-way match, and Jason Kincaid in Blaster McMassive. Uh, in August of 2016, he made his... Uh, WWN debut uh, at WWN's pay-per-view called Heat Stroke. Uh, he also made his debut at Evolve 78, defeating Darby Allen. Uh, he then got uh, Priscilla Kelly to be his valet slash manager. And then at on December 18th, Evolve 97, he defeated Fred Yehi, who is a phenomenal talent. You could find him in AAW as well. But he's had great matches before. I mean, he had a feud with Keith Lee on the independent at the independent scene. Had a feud with Darby Allen. I think that was really good. Um, he ended up um, being a part of Joey Janela's promotion, uh, WWN Championship. He lost the title to Joey, um, but then he went ahead and he won the championship back. So he's had a lot of success. Now I don't think it's too late for him, and I think you know saying his career is over in WWE wouldn't be accurate. Has it stalled a little? 
I think it has. And I also think, and tell me if you agree with this, but when you have other people that are really, really knocking out of the park, like an L.A. Knight, you have to think that if you're not doing something special, if you're not doing something that's going to grab the attention of the audience, of the people backstage, then really what are you doing? Because each and every year there's going to be another crop of, of new guys coming up. You, you're going to get a year older. They're still going to be young. They're going to be hungry. So I think Austin Theory has a lot of things to think about. I think he definitely can still make it. I think it's going to take a lot of work on his part. And fingers crossed that he gets a decent gimmick. So you think he's fallen that far, eh, Mike? I do. I honestly do. Wow. I mean, think about it from this perspective. Money in the Bank 2021. He was coming out and, you know, taking the selfies with Vince McMahon. He was Vince's guy this and that. And you know, Vince was not going to approve of something unless he really believed in it. He wasn't going to be on camera endorsing somebody if he didn't really believe in it. And I mean, you're a Vince guy. You would think it would work, but uh, unfortunately it just hasn't. I mean, he's had great matches with the Usos, RK bro. Um, Who else did he have a good match with Finn Balor? He had a good match with, um, he was eliminated by AJ Styles, uh, and there was about a Royal that happened on Raw in January. So he's had his ups and downs, but I just don't think that it's going to work. I just don't think it's going to work right now, and I think they're going to have to take him off for a while. Or a, a thing they could do, because I've seen them do this before, send him down to NXT. Let him re- let him go down there. Let's see what happens. You know, they've, they've done it with Seth Rollins has gone, gone down there and made appearances. Um, I'm trying to think Dominic Mysterio has gone down there, made appearances in, in wrestled. God, I know there's more people that have showed Finn up. Balor went down. Finn, Finn Balor. Yep. So, I mean, think about somebody with Finn Balor. I mean, being big on the independence and then hitting it big with new Japan starting bullet club. I mean, he's done so many things. We're going to talk about Finn Balor too, because he recently went on social media and talked about how um, in an interview, he would, be very interested to working with the young bucks again. And if you're a WWE guy, and if you're signed to the company, you're not going to say that kind of stuff unless you're very well sound financially and you don't mind if you walk or you get your walking papers. That's my thought. That's interesting. All right. So let's go ahead and let's jump on to something else that I found that was kind of interesting. And once again, if you have a, a topic or a story that you're interested in that piqued your interest, go ahead and, and hit us up on social media. Let us know. You can tag me. I am at the Mike Freeland. So it's at T-H-E-M-I-K-E-F-R-E-L-A-N-D. Butster, tell them what your Twitter handle is. At Gotnoof2291 at G-O-T-N-E-W-F-2291. Let's talk a little bit more about Bray Wyatt. So there's a lot of people who have heard that Bray Wyatt, um, the rumors have been swirling a lot that he's on his way back and he could be back as early as a couple of weeks from now. Um, We've also been informed that Bray Wyatt had a very health issue, very serious health issue that could have gotten much, much worse. Now I heard one report said, you know, it could have been fatal. I don't know. Um, but Ringside News is reporting Bray Wyatt was on the road to WrestleMania. He was set to take on Bobby Lashley, but that didn't pan out. Then, unfortunately, things just 
kind of collapsed for him. There was a lot of rumors about what was going to be happening to Bray Wyatt once he did officially disappear. Now, Wyatt's current situation still sees him unemployed, but WWE firmly believes in a couple of weeks they'll be able to reveal the new version of Bray Wyatt on TV. Specifically, Ringside News reached out to inquire about what are the creative plans and why were some of those plans nixed for Bray Wyatt once he decided to take some time off. What's your take? I mean, we talked about Bray Wyatt as well. I mean, it seems like this is kind of the trend here. We talk about people who are going to need to be rebranded. People are going to need to have a new uh, persona to them. Bray Wyatt either has to have a new persona or if he's going to go back to one of his other versions, he needs to tweak it severely. Do you think he could go back to being that creepy swamp guy? Or do you think, no, he has to come up with something new? It'd probably be best to come up with something new. I mean, if he's going to repurpose, repackage, whatever you want to call it, one of his old gimmicks, well, that's the one you're going with. Right. He's a swamp guy. You're not doing the fire, five, fun house, whatever the hell that was called. Uh, the Fiend, no, I don't think that necessarily worked. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. If he's going to bring, bring back a gimmick, it's got to be the creepy guy from the swamp. That was good. It was good. It was really now good. him on his own doing that would be interesting because don't forget he had the Wyatt family first when that started. So now when you got those gargantuans around you, that helps, right? So I would think I would like to see him personally. If I had my say in the matter, I'd like to see him come up with something new. But that's a big gamble though, because nothing's gotten over for Bray either. No. The, I mean, he went from red hot to not so much quickly. And you, you don't know, can can you recover from that? It takes a lot to get as hot as he was. And especially yeah. when, you, when you were at that level, then he fell fast and he fell hard. Did was there any part up there? Was there any part, not to interrupt you, but was there any part of the, the Firefly Flood House that you really liked, or did you think that was too silly? Yeah, when it ended. Yeah, I enjoyed that part, when they stopped doing it. Didn't do much for me. I tried. I'm like, no, this is different. It's it's cartoony. It's hokey. Right? He's like a psycho Mr. Dress-Up. You know who Mr. Dress-Up is? No. Or is that? That's a Canadian thing. So, Mr. Dress-Up? Mr. Dress-Up. Google it. So it was a children's show. Okay. But he, he was something like that, and it just never... No, Mr. Dress-Up wasn't a psycho, just for the record. This was not intentional. Mr. Dress-Up, that looks like a Fred Rogers knockoff. Who's Fred Rogers? Wow. He wow. was great. Okay, we're going to take a pause here for a second. So Mr. Dress-Up, as the butts are talking about, as a Canadian children's television series uh, star uh, starring Ernie Combs, a former understudy of Fred Rogers uh, in the title role. Now, originally it ran on CBS from 1967 to 1996, soon became an iconic presence with Canadian media. Mr. Dress-Up was produced by Daniel McCarthy, who later became the head of the children's programming for CBS and was a replacement for the Butternut Square, which Mr. Dress-Up had been a featured character on as well. If you're wondering, all my American listeners, this whole Mr. Mr. Dress-Up thing, 
He's a Canadian version of Fred Rogers. That's what he is. Fred Rogers Butster is Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. Okay. Have you heard of him? I've heard of it. Couldn't tell you anything about it, but I've heard of it, yes. Okay. Um, so the set for the show uh, was inside Mr. Dressup's house with scenes shot in the living room, the kitchen, and the playroom. This included the tickle truck. Uh, trunk. Or, what's that? Tickle trunk. Not a tickle truck. trunk, I'm sorry. Uh, where costumes were used to being make-believe and they were stored. Uh, a long time, uh, let's see here, and long counter where Casey and Finnegan often appeared. Sometimes the action moved outside of Casey and Finnegan's treehouse. Typically during a segment, Mr. Dressup would get a costume from the tickle trunk, such as one for an animal, a policeman, a firefighter, etc., etc. Then he would play the suggested role. All right. It was a good show. I grew up on it. I may have to check this out after we're done recording. Yeah, Mr. Dressup. Because Mr. Dressup, there was interesting. Mr. Dressup and then Mr. Dressup Happy Birthday Alligator was in 1976. Mr. Dressup and Friends for a Song was 1979. And then Wake Up, Mr. Dressup was in 1982. So once again, he's a Canadian version of Mr. Rogers, just like um, Pinwheel was a Canadian version of Sesame Street. What's Pinwheel? Oh, my God. Pinwheel was a Canadian show. It was the Canadian version of Sesame Street. Do you know what Sesame Street is? No, Michael. I'm completely uncultured swine. I don't know such things. Okay. Well, you know what? Should you we do have should... TVs up here? You know that, right? I know, but I'm just, I'm saying what shocks me and we're completely diverting here, but what shocks me is these are Canadian programs. Never heard of pinwheel. No. It's a TV okay. show. Yeah. It's a TV show. Let's go ahead and let me talk to you a little bit about it. The pinwheel was a television series. Uh, it took place in a large Victorian-style building house mm. called the Pinwheel mm. House, which was powered by a pinwheel that was on one of their peaks. Live actors would interact with puppets, discussing various concepts familiar to children's programming, and they covered many top topics like sharing, being considerate, being polite, the environment, and teaching people colors. So basically, Pinwheel was a show where you had regular actors, but then you had people who were puppets, and it was a Puppet people interaction type of thing. Okay, uh, I'm going to throw another one at you. Today's special was a Canadian show. Do you remember that? I do. Where it was a woman who worked in a department store. And at night, the mannequin in the children's department would come alive. And there would be adventures. Uh, he and there was like a security guard and Muffy the Mouse and... It was all this kind of stuff, but they had to keep the secret. They had to kayfabe that Jeff could become human when they put his hat on. So, How do you know all this stuff? I watch a lot of Canadian programming. That shocks me. I know a lot of stuff, man. There's a lot of things about me you're probably not familiar with. Probably not. 
only known you five years. Why should I know anything? You would think you might know more. I'm going to shock you more before the uh, episode's over. Back to wrestling here. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, Butzer, but Jim Ross actually admitted in an interview that he was this close to signing with TNA. Did you ever hear that story? No. Let's hear it. Jim Ross, the WWE Hall of Famer and the voice of generations of wrestling across the United States and globally, he's been a part of many iconic moments in wrestling where he has called some of the biggest matches in the business histories. Nowadays, known as good old JR, worked in many promotions in his career, such as Mid-South, JCP, WCW, WWE, New Japan, and most recently, All Elite Wrestling. But Impact Wrestling fans, well, they did not get the honor of having Jim Ross call any of their matches. With that being said, it did not mean that good old JR did not have a chance to join the company back in the day. Now, speaking on his Grilling JR podcast, the WWE Hall of Fame broadcaster talked about a conversation he had with Dixie Carter when he was leaving WWE and potentially making a stop at TNA in 2009. This is what JR would say. I was staying in Norman, Oklahoma, and Dixie Carter's family has a beautiful ranch in North Texas. Well, they flew to Norman and they picked me up. It was a 20-minute flight in a jet. I got to meet the whole family. I was very interested, and I would have taken the job, uh, but I had to have things to be on my terms, and where my terms were, they weren't able to fulfill them. Uh, I use the old Bill Parcells line, if you want to cook me dinner, you got to let me buy some groceries too. So I, I wanted to have control over the talent as well, but you know what? I didn't get my wish. So I never pulled the trigger, Ross said, and I and Dixney did see each other many times along the way. I did like her. She's a very nice lady, but she didn't give up on her convictions and she wouldn't give up any control of the roster. Ultimately, Jim Ross never made his way to TNA. He continued to work for WWE until 2013. Fans wondered why and how could somebody like that ever depart from WWE, but Jim did and made his jump to New Japan Pro Wrestling and then eventually jumped over to the new company, All Elite Wrestling, owned and operated by Tony Khan. So they made a big push for him, but he wanted to have more control. I mean, obviously he was head of talent relations with WWE before John Laurinaitis stepped in. And I think what he saw with TNA was, or Impact, whatever it was referred to at that point, that, you know what, I could probably do some things here, but I, I need to have some power. And Dixie just was not willing to give that up. And you can be the voice of our company, but that's about it. Do you think Jim should have, if it was a good money thing, just take the money and be quiet? Or do you think that just ultimately would have not been a good thing because his heart would not have been in it? Um, no, I think JR, if he's going to be doing something at this point, or even, in what year was that he could have went to TNA? 2009. 2009. So, I mean, he was well set at that point, you would think. So, he wouldn't be chasing the money at that point, I wouldn't imagine. He would be doing more of a um, a passion project. Like, you know, he wants to get involved, not just show up, call the matches, and leave type thing. He would want to take part in the creative part you know development and all that good stuff 
he's been around a long time. He's seen just about everything at this point. The only downfall is Jared's been around a long time. Yeah. So he, you no, know, it's a double-edged sword, right? He might be a little past his prime. Maybe past his best before date, however you want to look at it. Then, and that's today, obviously, you know, uh, 14 years ago, 15 years ago. Even at that point, I think he might have been a little bit, I think, out of touch with where things should have been. Maybe bring him in. They could have brought him in to be part of it. Maybe. But to, to bring him in and have him run uh, development, creative, whatever you want to call it, I don't know if that would have been the ticket. Not at that point. See, what I would have done if I was Dixie was I would have brought him in to be head of talent relations. I would have brought him in for that. I would not have courted him to be an announcer. I why not? Have, or why? I think at that point in time, I'm trying to remember who they had. Uh, was it Desmond Wolf and the Pope? Um, I'm trying to think of who else was on commentary. I don't think that I have to look and see back who was calling it at that point in time. Um, oh my gosh. Who was the guy who was in tough enough and he never really made it in WWE, but he be, he's a blonde haired guy, Josh Matthews. I think they were going in a different direction, but I mean, they could have absolutely used his brain to pick his brain and is this deal right? Is that not right? Is this guy ready? Is this girl not ready? There's so much experience there that I feel like I would have given him some control. I mean, how many times has a Jim Ross come around? Not very often. And even if he's not in his quote unquote prime, he still has that ability to work with talent and the talent respects him. And I think if you have somebody backstage that the talent respects, they're more likely to go along with it. And it would have been interesting. It didn't happen. Uh, if you remember when he re-signed with WWE, uh, things never were really quite the same again. I think he was doing a Legends thing and he was making some appearances. But I think he was also getting phased out of the announcing desk as well, just like Jerry Lawler was getting phased out. They're going in a brand new direction, and I really can't blame them. I mean, if there's one thing WWE does well is they understand sell why the stock is high and get out because the high is not going to last very long and you want to make sure you can maximize your investment. And I think they always knew they had Michael Cole in the wings. Now, did I ever think Michael Cole was going to turn into anything? No way. But he has actually really turned into a big staple for the company and good for him. I mean, He's good. It, I like Cole. It has worked out really, really well for him. Uh, I think he worked really well with Pat McAfee before Pat had to step away. I thought they had a good thing going. There was a lot of synergy there, but um, yeah, but we'll, we'll see. I'm not, I'm not writing anything off yet, but um, you know, I like listening to Jim. Where'd Coachman go? Coachman ended up going back and he, gosh, if we're going to go from when he left WWE, I think he went and worked with the golf channel. I think, and don't quote me on this. I think he did some stuff for either the big 10 network or the big East. He went back and did college stuff where he is now. I do not know uh, or what he's up to. You can probably use the Google machine and, and find that out. But um, 
Coach I'll was listen. coach was good on interviews. I didn't necessarily feel like he could tell the story very well on commentary. But I think for stand-ups, I think he was really good. I'll throw another one up for you. Pettengill. Remember him? Todd Pettengill was somebody who was just, man, he reminded me a lot of Don West. They were both pitchmen. They were both people who had high energy, an exorbitant amount of passion, and great, great ways to communicate to the audience. Pettengill was that guy who was at that time, that new age look, you know, had the earring and um, not, I guess, maybe kind of like a mullet haircut, but it was it was the new generation and he was a part of that and it worked out for him. But he could get people to watch. He was great at what he did. Um, Don West, I mean, he wasn't that classically trained voice, but Don West's voice was very unique. Once you heard Don West speak, you didn't forget what his voice sounded like. True. And um, yeah, both of them definitely have their place in wrestling. And but uh, interesting, Todd Pettengill. I didn't think I'd be talking about Todd Pettengill today. Wow. Um, let's keep our attention on impact wrestling. So we know that Jordan grace, her contract was up and she did not sign a new contract with impact wrestling. So after her bout at under siege, she decided to go ahead and go on a little bit of a hiatus. Now, according to Jordan grace in a recent interview, she said that she'd really like to make a potential return to a nationally televised wrestling show. Um, and she did hint about, being interested in making a comeback. And she emphasized also in the interview that she's not necessarily in a hurry for any of this to happen. Uh, This is once again, a source from ringside news. She is doing active bodybuilding. She's training. I think bodybuilding really was her first love. If we're going to be honest. And I think wrestling was probably secondary. And then when she saw the, the strides she was making and how her body was transforming, I think she realized that she had something really good here. Uh, During her time with Impact Wrestling, Jordan Grace achieved significant success with being a two-time Knockouts World Champion. Uh, She held the Knockouts Tag Champions once and was actually a one-time digital media champion. Now, fans will undoubtedly keep an eye out for when and where she pops up next if that does happen to be in the year 2024. But again... According to Jordan Grace, I am in no rush. In a tweet, she posted, maybe next year, but I'm not in a rush. Um, I had a personal run-in with Jordan Grace when it came to interviewing different people. Uh, I'll leave that for another time. But Jordan Grace is married to Jonathan Gresham. Both are great talents, no doubt. I wonder if working in a business like wrestling where you're both always on the road 24 seven for the most part. And it's just too much on your career and it wears on your relationship as well. Does that make any sense? Like it's, it's too much at one time. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're not spending time together, you know, doing the family thing, that's definitely got to be hard on you. You're, yeah, you're in a relationship, but 
you're basically living a single life because you're never seeing one another. You're beating the highways or flying here, flying there, whatever it would be. But it has to. That that's any any industry. If you, you know, if you're putting more work in the office than what you're at home, home suffers. Just the way it is. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that one. It's uh, it's it's a difficult life. It's a difficult life, not only to have a family, but it takes its toll in many, many ways, psychologically, emotionally, relationship-wise. Um, and I'll also say this, bodybuilding is not exactly what I would say is the, the happiest sport on the earth because it's, no. it's filled with a lot of demons as well. Um, speaking of someone who doesn't have demons, somebody who's uh, got some new success, Congratulations to Impact Wrestling's Deanna Peraza. Uh, Deanna Peraza actually went ahead and got her bachelor's degree uh, online. Uh, as we many know that she is with Steve Macklin, who is also with Impact Wrestling as well. Now, it was a heartwarming post that she posted after she got um, her degree after a 10-year journey in college. She said she was happy that she finally followed through with getting it. However, with determination and encouragement in our support system leading the way, she ultimately got to get her diploma. Uh, she would then go ahead and tweet and thank her significant other, Steve Macklin. She would say, at Steve Macklin, thanks for listening to all my history papers so I could find my mistakes and keep a safe place on the shelf for my diploma one day. I love you for encouraging and supporting me. So, congratulations to uh, Deanna Peraza. She got she got her history degree. I'm trying to find out if it says where she got it. Uh, I don't know if it was Phoenix Online or if it was another one of them. But good for her though. Yeah, went back and got her degree, and you know, obviously, it's good to have a a backup plan. Um, you know, just in case injury does come a knocking or you decide wrestling's not your thing anymore and you want to have a family and that requires you to get a different type of job, then at least you have your college degree to fall back on and hopefully she'll be able to, to find some success. But I'm very happy for her. that. That takes a lot of gumption to go from working all the time to stopping and going back and going to get your degree. Uh, Nick Aldis, uh, let's talk a little bit about Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis has been backstage at WWE. Uh, evidently, he's still auditioning for a job as a producer, but this story just blows my mind. Do people, or or maybe I'm wrong, maybe he has a, an injury that none of us really knows, or maybe he just doesn't want to wrestle anymore. I, I don't know, but do you think this whole him wanting to be an agent thing is legit? I can't see why he wouldn't want to be an agent. However, I know he's not retired because he has a match here and just outside of Kingston coming up very soon for Chinlock Wrestling, part of the Legends Convention. So he's still wrestling. Not to the same extent, obviously, but he is still wrestling. Right. You think if he does decide to go the route of an agent, producer, whatever it would be, well, it just extends his career an extra 10 years. 
Yeah, I agree. 15 years, whatever it would be. No, that's if everything goes smoothly, you know, he's good at it and all that stuff. Right. It's been around a long time. Kind of like the, the JR thing, you know, a lot of experience. If he can transfer that experience over to the other people, younger talent, they can all learn a lot from him. Right, he seems to be a fairly well-spoken man. It's not like he's a knucklehead. So, why not? I I could see him doing that. I, the um, my big surprise, I guess, is that he wouldn't want to have a run in WWE as a champion or as a wrestler. Sorry, an on-screen performer. That surprises me a bit. It does because, I mean, he's wrestled in Impact. You know, obviously he was a part of the very first All-In, which I guess wasn't even really under the AEW umbrella. Um, Did the NWA thing, and you would think that it would just be, it would just make sense that he would want to crack at WWE before all is said and done. Uh, But I, I don't know. Maybe being an agent is really where he wants to be, and, Maybe that's something he's thought about for a while. I'm not sure. It's uh, still a little confusing, but I think it'll be interesting if he ends up taking that gig. Yeah, so on September 16th, he's wrestling a well, semi-local guy, the natural Nick Sullivan, for part of Chinlock's Chinlock for Charity Legends event. So it's only a month away, a month and a day. So he's not retired yet. Not yet. And uh well, I mean, like I said before, Abyss, Chris Parks is a uh is a producer, coach, whatever you want to refer to him as in WWE, but I mean I, I think I I know for a fact he's not gonna wrestle again, but it would be cool if Abyss music hit and he came out for the Royal Rumble, even if it was just to get eliminated. Like that'd be cool mm-hmm. to see the monster abyss one more time. Well, have you never seen him in WWE? No, never seen him. I saw him at all. He never wrestled in WWE, period, did he? No, not even his parks or nothing. He was he was aligned again with AJ Styles, uh, but no, never. I don't think he ever wrestled. uh, I could be wrong, but I don't think he did. Um, Gosh, as the wheels turn, this never seems to end. It's like a bad dream. We got more news on uh, CM Punk, also known as Phil Brooks. Now, I'm not really quite sure if all of you have seen this or not, but most recently, CM Punk and FTR went ahead and took on the House of Black. The trio's titles were on the line. Now, CM Punk and FTR did not come home victorious, but he made things much more interesting. But it wasn't until the cameras turned off that Punk started talking now following collision punk cut a promo on the microphone for the live attendance crowd and it was on hangman adam page now it wasn't well received by many people whatsoever in fact people were very upset about it and could be audibly heard booing as he continues to refer to himself as the real world champion now on the house of wrestling podcast punk said said he sent a text message to Hangman Adam Page after collision saying, I apologize for that promo. I should not have done that. It did not go over the way 
it was intended to. Um, Dave Meltzer and Sean Ross Sapp also were confirming that. So Punk originally intended to be comedic and funny towards Hangman as he is still trying to bury the hatchet with him. But Punk quickly realized that his comments and his words were out of line and immediately apologized afterwards. All right. I can accept the CM Punk story. I can actually accept the fact that he said something. He realized it probably wasn't the best thing. He reached out and he apologized. I don't have problems with things like this. I really, really don't. If it, if it was a genuine mistake, and I think you should genuinely be forgiven. Um, but there seems to be a lot floating around about Punk. So that was just the Hangman Adam Page thing. It was also believed that Hangman Adam Page, prior to uh, said collision, was supposed to come to collision to do a uh, a TV interview or a stand-up that was supposed to be recorded. Well, that didn't happen. And he was told that things were changing. And that led him to believe that maybe CM Punk wasn't being as genuine as we thought. Now, we also found out the news that CM Punk did not want um, Ryan Nemeth, who is the brother of Dolph Dolph Ziggler Ziggler, in the WWE. Evidently, when Punk came back... um, Gosh, now I want to call him Ziggler, but Ryan Nemeth actually made a comment defending the Young Bucks, calling CM Punk the actually the softest man. Punk didn't seem to like that whatsoever, and he confronted Nemeth backstage at Collision, and Nemeth said, let's take this into the hallway. They had a long conversation about it, but it ended in a handshake, and Nemeth left, and that was believed to be Okay, smoothed over. However, Christopher Daniels was at Collision, as he is a producer for AEW, and Punk was not very happy. Punk wasn't happy because of Christopher Daniels' involvement in the all-out post-event brawl that happened. He said, and I quote, if my guy Ace Steel isn't allowed to be here, you shouldn't be allowed to be here. Now, I do have a problem with that. The man is head of talent relations. I think that... Then again, what do I... I mean, it doesn't matter what I think. Tony Khan continues to let this happen. So we're, we're, we're just literally talking until we look like Smurfs. Um, it was also reported that when Punk made his debut on the very first collision, Tony Khan was standing in Gorilla... Um, kind of silently chanting CM Punk, CM Punk, as Punk was walking by him. And uh, that is, it's very Homerish, if if that makes sense. Butster, I know when there's smoke, there's fire. Do you think this Punk thing is blown out of proportion, some of these stories, because people just don't like him because of who he is? Or do you think, no, this guy continues to be sticking his foot in his own mouth? He's definitely bringing it up on himself. There's no way all this stuff is coming out. Everybody's not lying about him. Everybody's not out to get him. You know, 
for him to get there and say um, CD Christopher Daniels can't be there because he still can't be there. Well, no, uh, I hate to break the Phil. You don't run the show. Christopher Dan was head of talent relations. He can go where the hell he wants. Or, let me rephrase that. He should be able to go where the hell he wants. No, him and Nemeth don't get along. It's funny. Nemeth makes a comment. Punk doesn't like it. Punk is Nemeth booted off. Doesn't want him on collision no more. Was the, was the report that I read. Yeah, no, that was true. But Punk is forever running his yap, and that's okay. But nobody can say nothing against him, but he can cut up whoever the hell he wants. So does that seem appropriate? I think you're you're right on spot with this. Is it appropriate? No, absolutely not. But once again, once again, I blame, I blame Tony Khan. And I don't know if you read this with, with the article that you read, but evidently Punk says he's continuing through other outlets now to reach out to the Young Bucks to finally end this and, and apologize and put put this behind him. But the Young Bucks still will not take any meetings with him, will not return any phone calls or any text messages. Uh, once again, this is allegedly being reported. I don't I don't know. Part of me would say that that's a bunch of baloney and I don't believe that, but maybe he does. Because, I mean, even the, the most asshole people in the world, you hold on to that for so long and it just eats you up inside. And now it ends up doing more worse to you than it did the people that you were saying these things about. Um, do you think ultimately we'll ever, I mean, ever see Punk in the Bucks in a feud because it's good for business? Or do you think... Now, if it's gone this far, the the line has been drawn in the sand. Yeah, I don't see that happening, Mike. I, how if you were going into a program with somebody like CM Punk, mm-hmm. how would you have any faith in it? Because he's a loose cannon. He'll say whatever he wants. He'll do whatever he wants. He's allowed to do and say whatever he wants. He's no, they should just call it a, a CM Punk's collision at this point. Because he calls the shots. They, Well, we spoke about this months ago. They created collision for him. Yeah. Basically, that was the rumor. But it turned out to be more than a rumor at this point. I don't understand how he has so much power. <laughs> That's the million-dollar question. He, that is the, how he does he have so much power? Drum? Hulk Hogan had back in the day. Yeah. Legit. Like, I'm not just making up nonsense. He has that kind of power. It's crazy. And I don't get it. I just don't. So, I don't know. He's... Tony Khan is his own worst enemy. I've said this, I don't know how many times at this point. He is his own worst enemy now. Do you really think... If AEW goes to shit... That's why Tony Khan let it go to shit. Do Do you think that? Gosh, I feel like we've 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 beaten this horse many times, but you know, a lot of people believe Tony Khan. I mean, he was on the Wrestling Observer news board, and he was in their chat rooms and all that kind of stuff. And do you really think, honestly, some of the people who were 
anti Tony Khan, just saying, well, he's just a the son of a billionaire who was a fan who just had a bunch of money to play with. Do you think there could be some legitimacy to that? Um, that he should be on the other side of the rail? Or do you think, no, I, I think he is business centric when it comes to AEW. What, what, what's your thoughts on that? He's not business centric. I don't think he is. I think he's a wealthy fan. It shows Mike. Look at that he's he's supposed to be the guy that does all the booking. Or that's what they say anyhow. Look at some of the storylines are just ridiculous. A lot of them are, are rehash from, you know, NWO. Right? They they're basically running that back. You know, he's letting CM Punk do whatever he wants. My assumption is CM Punk was his favorite wrestler. When he was younger, is that what he it was is? A, a huge fan? He was a huge fan of ECW, and that. that's why you're you're seeing ECW people show up. Um, but he was also a big CM Punk guy as well. Yeah, so that's probably why he's got a little longer leash than he deserves. And he's he's just he's screwing it up because at a certain point, yeah, Daddy's filthy rich. But at a certain point, Daddy's gonna get sick of losing money, mm-hmm. and he's like, "All right, enough." No, Ted Turner had all kinds of money too. He got tired of it going on with Eric Bischoff and Vince Russo, and they sold off WCW. Just the way that's what's gonna happen at a certain point. He's he's a wealthy fan, and that's what it is. And it's unfortunate because I love AEW. You know that. Yeah, we we both do. We both want to see it succeed, but it's just. Uh, I, I don't know, man. Well, I mean, I, we, we talked about this before, and I'm not going to go into great depth of it, but like the Wardlow thing. I mean, you know, I don't like seeing people go to WWE, but I, I almost beg for him to go to WWE. And then I saw Powerhouse Hobbs. He was on Collision doing a magnificent job on the microphone. He was doing it with uh, a stand-up interview with Tony Schiavone, and he was talking about the Book of Hobbes. And it's like, goodness gracious, how did... No, please tell me you're not going to screw this up as well. Because these two guys are so good. By the way, another person, I I went ahead and did a little research, Serena Deeb. Uh, I found out through Sean Ross Sapp, and there was uh, an article he had reported. She has not been on TV for nearly for AEW TV for nearly a year. And the reason for that is Sean Ross Sapp is reporting that they have nothing for her on creative. There's nothing for Serena Deeb. And I'm thinking she's great on the mic. She's a heel. She's one of the best technical wrestlers out there. You don't have anything, but yet you're going to have no offense. You're going to have Anna J out there. You're going to have the bunny out there. Um, You're going to have sky blue. And you don't have room for another really top talent like her. Okay, whatever. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know how that can happen. I was just, there's so many questions that, that I have. It would honestly be a full Tuesday night episode 
And that's all we were talking about is why did that happen? Yeah. Why did this happen? Why are they going this direction? That was dumb. Why would you do this? And I, I don't want no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to beat up on it because it's you know, it's an organization that I, I love to watch and I want to see do well. But Tony Khan's not the answer. I, I don't think he is. It's no. okay if he wants to be on the board, if he wants to be on the board of directors, or if he wants to be one of the EVPs, or if he wants to be in on booking, that's fine. But he can't be the booker. No. Because there's really no difference. You're not going to like this here. There's no difference with Tony Khan and Vince McMahon right now when it comes to the booking aspect. We're not talking the personal stuff. We're not talking. That's not what I'm talking about. There's no difference. Vince McMahon is the end all be all. He has the final say. Tony Khan, same thing in AEW. Sad. And neither, and neither one of them are good. No. That's unfortunate. I, I threw this out. Uh, on Twitter, I said, you know, when we talked about this last week, how Triple H is no longer on the board of directors. And I, I, I was not surprised when that happened, because remember when Vince wanted to get reinstated and the people who wrote the letter to him denying him, Stephanie's name was on that. Triple H's name was on that. Nick Khan's name was on that. And I think there was somebody else. And when your daughter and your son-in-law both do not endorse you coming back to the company. That's not good. And I think we all agree Vince is very vengeful. And that's the reason why he's not putting Triple H on the board of this new company merger. Here's a bigger question. What is what is the reason? What is the draw for Triple H to stay at all in any capacity with WWE? And I know you said he's a company man, but at this point... Vince is back. He has a major hand in all things creative. He's now booted a family member off of the board. How awkward and uncomfortable does that have to be? Or do you say, well, Vince is just Vince, and I'm going to keep doing my thing. Vince is just Vince. Triple H can't be shocked. This is how it went down. But why doesn't he? Why wouldn't he leave? Give me a reason why he wouldn't leave. I mean, obviously, he's making a fat paycheck. Okay, so if you want to say money, maybe benefits, all that kind of jazz. Okay, I, I get that. But let's just say Triple H says, no, it's not a money issue. Why wouldn't you, and I'm not saying go to another company and just to stick it to Vince, but Vince basically stuck it to him. You're, you're not going to take over this company. I'm retiring. You know, it's time for me to step down. And then you have Triple H who's there. Ah, I know what. Things are going too well. Screw you. I'm going to sell the company. And then I'm going to reinstate myself. And I'm going to fire everybody from the board. And I'm going to make my own board of directors. I, I don't understand or why you would stay. I would think he's loyal to WWE. One, because that's, oh, don't you give me that look. I can see you on the camera there. But why? Though? I think he'd be. I think he's loyal due to the fact of it is his father-in-law's company, and if it wasn't for WWE, we wouldn't know who Triple H is. 
No, I, he would still be terrorizing, and that would be the extent of it. But I just don't understand at this stage of Triple H's career, where's the payoff? And I don't mean payoff from a monetary standpoint, but where is the enjoyment when Vince cut Triple H at the knees with NXT? Do we remember that? Do you remember how NXT was hot when it was the, the black and gold? And then Vince McMahon basically came in and whoosh, chopped him at the knees. And, it's true. Uh, okay, so Triple H got screwed over there. Triple H comes into in charge of creative. Vince is gone. It seems like things are going to calm down. Vince is back. Vince is now undermining you, and he's still making all these changes with creative. Now he's also taken you off the board of directors. He's done everything but cut you. Yeah. So I, I just I, I don't I don't understand. I mean, if I was Triple H, I would literally I would leave, and I would seriously consider going somewhere else and helping them succeed. I can't see a world where Triple H is with anybody other than WWE. Everybody's got their breaking point. I agree. Interesting. Um, we are not going to go much longer here, uh, but I did want to uh, make some uh, comments about something Eric Bischoff said. So Eric Bischoff recently said on SES Scoops, he says MJF is AEW's MVP, but he does think that the booking for All In at Wembley Stadium is, and I quote, a mess. Now, former WCW president Eric Bischoff had some high praises for world champion MJF during his Strictly Business podcast that happens on Mondays. But he buried AEW's decision to feature MJF at All In uh, as a challenger with Adam Cole in a pre-show for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions against Aussie Open. He would go on to say, and I quote, I think... This is a mess, Bischoff said. I think he's probably the most important talent on your entire show. He is the most important part of AEW, and he is, without question, the most entertaining character on your show. MJF is the most valuable man on that roster, and to put him on a pre-show? Who cares? That's the silliest damn thing I've ever heard. Now, MJF and Adam Cole, again, are going to be going against the Aussie Open on the Zero Hour, which is the pre-show to the all-in pay-per-view. Now, this pre-show is actually going to be able to be caught on uh, Bleacher Report. You can also catch it on YouTube. It's going to stream live before the event actually happens. Um, Eric Bischoff was also the one who had made the comment a few weeks ago that the event, because it sold out so well, they should have never mentioned a card. And every match should have been a big surprise, whoever was coming down the aisle. Again, I think you and I talked about this. We don't disagree. That would have actually been a really cool concept. That would have been great. That would have been really cool. Yeah. But obviously, Tony Khan is wanting to sell as many tickets because he wants to get that, you know, that record. So he's doing this. The card itself, I'm not going to lie to you, is underwhelming. And unless they add some matches to this, I don't know if you saw my tweet, um, but there is a lot of people who are not on the card. And I don't know the reasoning, the rationale 
for some of these people that are not on the card. Let me pull this up here. Oh, I also want to mention something about Finn Balor. I don't know if I mentioned him. Okay. Okay. Finn Balor is the guy who created the Bullet Club, which is uh, very, very interesting. And he made some very interesting comments. And I feel like that could be also a tease. I'm not quite sure, but I think we're going to have to talk about that. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to find this damn tweet I send out. I'm going back on my timeline. Well, the point of the tweet was there's so many people that are not, here we go, all in. You know, I'm, I'm using that phrase from a literal standpoint. Really? There's no Ricky Starks on all in. Wardlow has been ruined. He's not there. No House of Black is on all in right now. No Orange Cassidy. No Acclaimed. No Hangman Adam Page. As of yet, no John Moxley. Uh, no Claudio. No uh, Kenny Omega, no Chris Statlander, no Athena, no Jay White, no Juice Robinson, no Keith Lee, and no Miro. So mm -hmm. if you have the updated card for All In, you know, that was a few days ago I tweeted that. Uh, pull that up and tell me if, if anything has changed. But And I understand that, that there's still time. They can still add people. But, you know, having the Bucks in FTR, I feel like that's fine. I would have done it as a um, as a like the, a TLC match, if you will. I would have done something like that, but I would have put Juice Robinson and um, Switchblade Jay White. I would have had FTR, Bullet Club Gold, and the Young Bucks in there, or even hell, um, who else could you put in there, and, and make it a really compelling. TLC match, much like what you had with the Dudleys, Edge and Christian, and the Hardy Boys. Um, Don't put the Hardy Boys in it, though. No, 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 no. But I'm saying what they did with them. Yes. Um. So this is the updated card. All right. Give it to me. Ozzy Open versus MJF and Adam Cole. On the pre-show, yep. Pre-show. Uh, FTR versus the Young Bucks. Yep. Hikaru Shida versus Tony Storm versus Soraya versus... To be determined. Okay. Darby Allen and Sting versus AR Fox and Swerve Strickland. I think that's stupid. Mogul MC. That's a tag team coffin match. I it's a gimmick match. And I, like I said this before, I'm tired yeah. of him being attached to Sting. Continue. And then MJF and Adam Cole. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not, if this is going to be the biggest card. Wembley's ever. ever had. You got to do better. It's not a strong card. I mean, oh like, there's a lot of talent left off. No, no, you can't get everybody in. That's a fact. You can't have everybody on the card. And then a the, week later, you have all out. Yes. So, I mean, but I mean, if you do everybody on all in, the damn show is going to be seven hours long. So, that's not going to work. So, but they got to do better than this. I don't think this. If if you were waiting for the card to come out, Mike. Mm -hmm. So you live over there, over in England, and you're going to wait. I want to see what the card's worth. Card comes out. If I like it, I'll buy my ticket. Are you going to buy your ticket now? No. I mean, even to be part of history, I mean, I'm sick of. The stupid Sting and Darby Allen. I don't want to see that. Uh, 
AR Fox is fine, but Swerve is better as a singles, and he deserves to be singles. Um, I like Adam Cole and I like MJF, but the problem with that one is there's no animosity, there's no beef, there's no tension, there's no. That's you know, why they're on the prelims. It's because it, something's going to happen in that match. No, MJF's going to go off, or maybe even Cole will turn heel. Who knows? Well, and that's what's going to create your your tension for your main event. Okay, that's the whole point of that. Oh no, I agree with that. And, and it, so we we both know, and hopefully you, everybody out there listening, knows they're not winning these Ring of Honor tag team titles. That, oh that's, God, no. The whole point is to put them in one more match, one more situation to have something explode. Now, the whole situation with uh, Matt Taven. Roderick Strong and God, why am I um, Mike Bennett? Mm-hmm. I think is very, very interesting. So, can I share with you my theory? Let's go. Okay, so here's what I think is going to happen. I think that they're going to be they're going to be rolling in this tag match for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships, and I think something is going to happen where either the Kingdom comes down, Roderick Strong comes down. Adam Cole gets distracted, you know, and I think they're going to, Adam Cole's going to get pinned. And I think at this point, it's going to piss off MJF. I thought you were my boy. Now you're boys with these guys. These guys just cost us the championship. Where's your head at? Yada, yada. I think pushing would then start. And I think once again, like you said before, that th- there's going to be a catalyst to make the main event even more exciting later on. Now. Here's where I think could be interesting. I think what you're going to have is, and this might sound lunacy, but I think what you're going to have is, I think you're going to do a backstage with Renee, and I think they're going to talk to a frustrated Adam Cole. I think there's going to be yet another confrontation between the Kingdom and Roderick Strong with Adam Cole. They're going to make their case one more time. We told you, we told you, you know, now you're on your own. I think when the main event happens, I think something's going to happen. They're going to come down. Adam Cole's obviously going to be the heel. He's going to screw Max over. He's going to go ahead and he's going to win the world championship. Now, we continue on. Now that Adam Cole... Now, see, here's the weird thing. CM Punk has been teasing about he's the real world champion but yet max is calling himself a cha- the the champion right we've heard him say that on on collision so you're not if you have adam cole win you're not going to be having a cm punk versus mjf thing now you've now you've you've kind of closed the door on that at least for now so now mjf is pissed that he lost the world title he knows that evidently roderick strong is not cleared but he wants to take on matt taven and mike bennett but MJF doesn't have a friend in the world. And now that he doesn't have a friend with Adam Cole, what's he going to do? And I think this is where you bring Wardlow back. And I think I think you have Wardlow and I think you have MJF come back. MJF is going to be the baby face. MJF is going to give a good rub to Wardlow. And I think this is where you can have those two guys taking on the kingdom. And I think that's how things kind of get rolling again. But that's just my thoughts. You've put a lot of thought in this, Mike. I have. Impressive. Uh, I like the. I like where you're going with this. That's quite the 
I didn't think that far ahead whatsoever. I was rather proud of myself to come up to they're gonna get into a fight in the prelims. No, you're but you're a hundred percent correct because oh, yeah. it, you're not gonna okay, think about it from this perspective. And I'm almost at my cutoff here. Uh you gotta think of it from this perspective. Why would you take the belts off of the Aussie Open? You're oh. you're not going to. That's stupid. That makes no sense at all. Because let's say you put the belts on Adam Cole and MJF. Okay, so now they're the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, right? The issue with this is you never have two people who have divisive personalities together with all the gold. There's always going to be some type of issue. Plus, are they going to go over and defend the Ring of Honor tag titles? It's not not going to make any sense. You have to maximize the people that you have. Anyway. You're right. You're 100% right on that. So, I don't know. What have we got, two weeks? We got two weeks to find out what the hell is going to be happening. Once again, it's going to be live on pay-per-view. Keep in mind, everybody, the start time, I believe, here in the United States, Eastern Standard Time, is like 12 noon. And I think it's like 5 o'clock p.m. uh, UK time. I think that's when they they sent out a memo to everyone who bought tickets, either through Live Nation or Ticketmaster, and they said they're going to be opening the doors earlier. So we'll see what happens with that. But maybe they're going to have some more matches. I don't know. There was some rumors about Kenny Omega having a match with uh, Kenoste Takeshita. Maybe. Who knows? We'll see. All right. It has been so much fun. We've talked WWE. We've talked Impact Wrestling. We've talked AEW. We've talked about the drama with CM Punk. Love to get your feedback on that. Do you think this whole thing is a work? I hate to say it, but some people out there still think it's a work. They think that the whole Tony being in love with Punk, you know, what would be really interesting is if uh, Tony Khan actually came out and became a, a sympathizer for CM Punk. Boy, would that get heat. Whoa. Nuclear heat. That would be Whoa. ridiculous. And then he could just go off on people at any, and he could just be this mad hatter who would just almost like an Eric Bischoff. We'll have to see. I think that would be interesting as well. Um, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. So far this month, we're getting great downloads. Really do appreciate it. Um, it's so much fun bringing you this content. I don't know if you guys checked out the newest logo for Front Row Material, but we've made some changes, and it's very much deserving. Uh, Christopher Budd is officially on the new logo. I'm going to make sure that goes out to all the different platforms. So it is now the Front Row Material brand with Mike Freeland and Christopher Butt. So congratulations to you. Uh, Chris, did you know that, um, I forget what I said, is it December? December 7th. December 7th will be our one-year anniversary of working together. Has that not insane how fast that's gone? When you told me that, I couldn't believe it. I know, a a year. How how crazy is that? It's been a good time. It's been great, and it's wonderful because the listeners continue to listen in and support us, and we are eternally grateful. Um, but before we leave you, Butster, what's the update on the ramp and the toy cars? And give us another rundown of the date, the time, where people can go for the big event coming up. Yeah, cars are just about done. Uh, right now I've got, I think, a dozen tractors to finish. Uh, a dozen tractor trailers, semi-trucks. I uh, have the planes and helicopters done. So I'm not in too bad a shape. Uh, the show is the B&B Memorial Show and Shine. 
uh, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Saturday, August 26th in Harrowsmith, Ontario at Centennial Park. All proceeds go to the South Front Neck Fire Department, uh, South and Central Front Neck Fire Department. Uh, it's uh, 58 toy cars that I did uh, building a ramp. Um, I'm not a physics guy. And you could, <laughs> Once I started building that damn thing, I figured out I am not a physics guy. I wish I was a better student. I'm learning. It will be done on time. I might not finish it till the 25th, but nonetheless, it'll be finished and ready for the kids to go. Uh, yeah, we're looking forward to 58 toy cars, $15 a piece, uh, one toy each. You can't buy more than one. And it's all proceeds are getting donated to the B&B Show and Chime, which in turn donates everything to the fire department. Uh, it's a memorial show. It's all for a good cause. Uh, it's going to be your your muscle cars, your old school muscle cars, your your newer Subarus and and Civics and all that stuff. As of right now, there's supposed to be two Lambos there. Wow. Uh, there's going to be some motorcycles there. I heard it's going to be an awesome 2023 Chevy Equinox LT all-wheel drive there. That's going to be the showstopper. Right, it'll, it'll be a, a 2021 Chevy Equinox there as well. Yeah, LT all wheel drive. Right, uh, so yeah, we're looking forward to it. It should be a good time. Uh, I've never been to it. Uh, a good friend of mine, like I said, Godot from Rapture Window Tents, he's one of the main sponsors. That's who's got me in there. Uh, they do great things, very um, community. They draw with they do food drives and whatnot. They do a, do a lot of good stuff. I'm gonna to try to get hooked in with them a little more throughout the year. And yeah, we're just trying to give back a little bit, do a little bit of good. Uh, the three prizes, or it's an Oculus headset. Oh wow! I'm not 100 percent sure what that is. He explained it to me. <laughs> I still don't understand what the hell it is. A DJI drone. Mm. It's like a fancy drone. And then there's the can the Canada's Wonder Day Wonderland Day Pass with a fuel card and the spa day as well. So. This is amazing. And and it's family friendly. There's gonna be a ton of awesome food. Once again, check it out, you guys. I'm fingers are crossed that it's gonna be good weather. What what's the prediction right now for the weather for that day? Uh not good. Sixty percent chance of rain, ten millimeters of rain. Well, we got a week and a half, almost two weeks. So I was going to say, change. we got plenty of time. It's going to be gorgeous. I'm already projecting it right now. It's going to be fun. So. Stop by the booth. Get the cars from the butt. Enjoy it. Have some laughs. Once again, it's family friendly. And uh, what a great way to support the community. Donate money for a good cause. And uh, and it's the Butster always says, when you do good things, then that means you have no time to be a scumbag. Don't be a scumbag. We don't, don't need them. Nope. Uh, but sir, people want to contact you about anything, maybe even questions about, hey, how do I even get into woodworking or what are some things or some tips or whatnot? How can people get a hold of you if you have some questions? If you want to get into woodworking, don't. You'll go broke. <laughs> There's no money in it. It's a pit. <laughs> but nonetheless, get a hold of me on Facebook if you want. Uh, CB79 Wooden Toy Maker. Or you can contact me through, is it still Twitter? 
I don't know X or whatever. I don't you understand. You can get a hold of me through Twitter or through X or whatever this is at gotnoof two two nine one G O T N E W F two two nine one. And yeah, get a hold of me if you have questions, if you want some advice, if you want something built. Get a hold of me. I don't know everything, but I will do my damnedest to help you out. And trust me, it's it'll it probably turn out a million times better. He downplays everything. I've seen his new line of products. I don't know if they've all been seen by the general public yet, but I've seen these things. He has some incredible stuff that's coming out right now. I mean, the helicopters are awesome. The airplanes are awesome. Uh, the propellers on them are sweet. I'm telling you right now. Uh, is, it, is it dinosaurs as well? Dinosaurs are they're in the queue. I don't think I'll have them ready for the car show. But I'll definitely have them ready for my uh, November or October show. Sorry. Well, I'm telling you, listen, listen to my words right now. Listen, Christmas is coming up. Do not be one of those people who are out in the cold because Santa butt is all out. He has some great merchandise. These are great toys. They're toys that you can pass down from generation to generation. They're all handmade with love. They're 100% safe. There's no toxic chemicals used. These are way better and will last much, much longer than any of that crap you can find online. So once again, invest in good. You'll have it for an eternity. It is the Butster himself. Follow him on Twitter. Go ahead and get a hold of him on Facebook, and he'll definitely take care of you. All right. I have nothing to offer. I do not have talents when it comes to making anything. I am just uh, I'm just a talking voice. That's that's all I am. And the voices are talking in my head too, and they're telling me that I am nine minutes past my cutoff. Guys, it has been so much fun. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next episode of the Front Row Material Brand. Mm-hmm.